and welcome to the Line Break Podcast. My name is Chris Corlew, and with me as always is my friend and co-host, Bob Sikora. Hey there. And this week we are switching things up a little bit uh, as we have a guest who is friends with Bob. So Bob, why don't you take the intro? All right. Guest alert. Guest alert. Opening. Feeling good today. I don't know what order we're going to run all these in, um, but let's at least pretend this this is our first guest of the season. That might be true. I think um, that's going to be true. I think I think that's going to be true. Um, but we do have a run of guests, and generally pretty excited about this. Um, have been planning and emailing. You know, take some time, and uh, we got someone today. We're so excited about this. Um, for me, this is a really special one um, because, you know, sometimes. Life happens, and someone crosses your path. Someone comes around, you meet them, um, and it's like a good experience. And then the universe just sends you both on your ways, and that one chance meeting turns into, at least for me, I hope it's true for her as well, but a really, really uh, valuable friendship. And as you know, on the show, we mostly just kind of gush about poems that we like, but today um, we get to gush about a person that I really, really like and a poet that I really, really like, a human being that I really, really like. Today, um, we're talking to Dianelli Antigua. Hi, Dianelli. Hello, hello. Um, I guess I'll, I'll read some of your bio, at least some of your bio for our listeners. It's pretty long. <laughs> An accomplishment. Uh, yes, Exactly. We got to celebrate all this. Dianelli Antigua um, is a Dominican American poet and educator, born and raised in Massachusetts. Um, her debut collection, "Ugly Music," um, from Yes Yes Books, was the winner of the Pamet River Prize, and shouts out a 2020 Whiting Award. Is it Whiting or is it Whiting? I meant to ask you about that. How do they pronounce it? <laughs> yeah, how do they pronounce it? I've never known. It's, it's Whiting. You're good. Okay, it's Whiting. All right. <laughs> Overthinking myself. Um, she received a BA in English from the University of Massachusetts Lowell. Shouts out. More Massachusetts coming here. Where she won the Jack Kerouac Creative Writing, Writing Scholarship. Received her MFA at NYU. Where she was awarded a Global Research Initiative Fellowship in Florence, Italy. Which produced some incredibly good poems. Um, I think some that the world has seen. But I know there's some that the world probably still hasn't seen. I, there's a bunch of other fellowships and publications here. And I lost track of where I was in reading this, um, but I like to settle on that last line. Her heart is in Brooklyn. But today, her heart and her personhood and everything is with us in Zoom uh, on the wavelengths. <laughs> so yes, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I've been faithfully listening to your podcast episodes, um, and I am delighted to be a guest. Perhaps yes. maybe your first. Who knows? <laughs> but I, I'm really happy to be here, y'all. Um, I, oh, I don't know awesome. how many Thank faithful listen, listeners we have. So, yeah, that does mean a lot. Yeah, that's <laughs> Well, really at nice least one. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to start us off um, with a very selfish question. Um, I have, you know, this memory mostly in my head, how I remember it goes. Um, but, Dianelli, do you remember the workshop where we first met? I do remember that workshop. I was um, checking out grad schools um, to get my MFA, and um, I had gotten into UMass Boston, so I was, you know, just visiting one of the workshops, and it was Lloyd Schwartz's workshop, and um, I remember you were there, and a bunch of other wonderful people that have become, like, such good friends were there, Um, but I didn't end up going to UMass Boston, (laughs) Um, but I feel like we still... Um, remained friends and I came into Boston and hung out with y'all like so many different times we 
um, sang karaoke. Yeah, it was, it was great. <laughs> you saved me from a karaoke debacle. I remember that. Um, um, but yeah, so I do remember. <laughs> um, what I remember, I'm kind of mad that I can't quite point my finger on it. Do you remember the poem that you brought into class? Because this was, you were one of those people who came to a workshop, you had been accepted to the program, and and I, I know Lloyd does this, I don't know if everyone does this at their programs when they have a guest, but he invites the people to read. When I visited the workshop, I definitely did not read a poem. I was way too nervous. I believe you did. Yeah, I think I read a poem called uh, Biscocho, which means okay. cake in Spanish, and it was like this poem about you know, like my mother baking cakes and like the love that she puts into that, but also kind of the, um, like all the trauma that's also happened to her, but still she's able to, you know, produce something, um, with such, with such love. Um, so it was, it was an early, early poem. Um, I still don't know how I got into any MFA program (laughs) with that writing sample, but it happened. (laughs) Sometimes that's all he needs, that first step. Yeah. I mean, and I would would echo the exact same thing. I am deeply embarrassed by my writing sample at this point, which, you know, that's a good thing. It's progress, but, you know. uh, Right, right, right. Oh, my goodness. Um, Well, similarly, that was a a really good memory um, for me. I mean, you did see I had a great workshop cohort, um, um, so you got to see that. But, um, you know, I again, salute the bravery to come in and just read something to strangers. And, and Lloyd is a really, really friendly man um, who I think makes you feel comfortable. But, you know, I, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> let's get into um, what we do here. Wait, no, I had another question before I was going to do that. You did. Um, I did. I wanted to ask you, um, your book, Ugly Music, as a fan of yours... It's been a joy to kind of watch its journey because I didn't, you know, I think I'd maybe seen a couple things before it was published, definitely. But I, I remember at some point before it was published, we were, we were talking about the idea of the book. And then it wins this prize with YCS Books. Um, it comes out, and I know I saw a lot of this, but I hope you got to see um, that people were reading it and social media posts and stuff. Um, it felt awesome to kind of see the book out in the world. So I loved witnessing that. Then it goes on. We get the Whiting Award. Holy smokes. So cool. Um, and you've got a little space now. I don't know. How does how do you feel about that whole journey in the book today? Yeah. A little over two years maybe since it came out. Wow. Yeah. So the <laughs> book officially came out in May of 2019. Um, mm-hmm. And But the book basically had been, you know, done in 2017-ish, or at least like the majority of it had been finished. So my book, Ugly Music, was basically my master's thesis at NYU for the most part. I mean, everything is ordered just a bit differently. Some poems are taken out, some newer work was put in, but like the skeleton of, and some of the the meat was, you know, my my thesis. Um, And like, I had no intention of actually submitting my thesis anywhere for publication. It was all because of a lovely friend who believed in me and he actually nominated my work for the Panit River Prize. And I, you know, I got to be a semifinalist and then after semifinalists, 
were announced, um, we had to hand over a full manuscript. So I just kind of like scrambled and, and put everything together and created ugly music. And I was very surprised that, you know, in a few months I found out that I won. So I didn't even try and I won something, which is like crazy to think about because like, I feel like I just hear all these stories about people just like submitting and submitting and like, and then finally, and then with me, it was the complete opposite. I was like, I'm not going to submit this anywhere. <laughs> and then, you know, just like a chance opportunity and it wins something. So like, I feel incredibly grateful that it just kind of like fell into my lap that way. And then similarly with like the Whiting Award, um, like people nominate your book. It's like, and mm-hmm. like, I will never know who nominated my work. That's, I, I have no idea. So no way. Yeah. Oh so it's like, Wild. there's, there's someone out there that believes in my little book <laughs> enough to like nominate it for the Whiting Awards. I'm like, oh, fuck. Um, and yeah, I, I found out actually around this time last year, um, that I had won the Whiting Award, and I remember I was like crying in my bed and like freaking out, and was like, I can't believe this. And then immediately I was like, Oh, what am I going to wear to the award ceremony? And then COVID happened. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so Wait, I had I, like, I there real quick. how do you uh, how do you find out that? Because I've never won any awards. Um, <laughs> does the uh, does the Whiting Award uh, like send you an email? Does the publisher send you an email or so letter? Happened, I guess. So I, I got a phone call out of like nowhere, and it was just. See, like I would have never picked that phone call up. I don't answer phones <laughs> I, from phone calls from numbers. I don't know. Here's the thing: I didn't. I didn't pick it up. I sent it to voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would have done. That's incredible. <laughs> I was in my bed. I was just like chilling. I think I was like watching. Um, like Cinderella, I was like on this like Disney kick and I was like rewatching all of the movies from my youth, but I was watching them while taking edibles. I'm like, this is a great choice. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Cinderella was probably on or like a goofy movie or something. And I was just, just chilling. And then I was like, oh, I'm just, you know, going to send this call to voicemail. And then, you know, I, I listened to the voicemail and, you know, it was like so-and-so from the Whiting Foundation. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that is um, amazing. yeah, yeah. So like literally everything just falls into my lap and I'm least expecting it. And I'm like in pajamas. I just, yeah. So it's been an incredible journey. And like, yeah, I think the only thing that I'm really sad about is just that I was really looking forward to the, you know, Whiting Award ceremony and the different readings that were being organized and all the winners end up meeting with, with press and editors and agents. And that would have been like really amazing opportunities for me to right. connect and um, hopefully pitch some of my new work that I was hoping to have it, you know, in, in the world. I don't know if it exists yet. It's kind of just like scraps of paper, but we can probably talk about that later. Um <laughs> But yeah, so that's been like the only downside, but like everything else has been like fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's an incredible story, man. That's, and it's such a bummer to miss the award ceremony for I know. all the reasons you listed. Um, I had such um, a pretty dress too, but whatever. <laughs> I'll use it for something else. <laughs> yeah, the time will come. The time will come. I mean, just uh, t- taking some notes, you know, is one is to you never know who's going to be out there looking out for you right. to uh, make those nominations. Cause that's awesome. Shout out to the 
the one, the friend you know, but also shout out to the invisible uh, friend. That's incredible. Right, right. right. <laughs> but also, you got to have that manuscript ready to go. You never know when someone's going to call, you know, because that's know. A, like you said, that contest is so interesting where you send in a chunk of stuff, but not the full thing. Mm-hmm. And then when you're a finalist, they ask for the full thing. Yeah. And you pulled a book together. I, I did. <laughs> I imagine there's a lesson there for obsessive poets who I think Bob and I would count each other among that of just like, yeah, the order of your poems is important, but sometimes you can just, you can just toss it off and big things will happen for you. It'll happen when it needs to happen. Yeah, there you go. That's it. Um, I will. The last thing I'll say before we get into talking some poems is I really like that you call it a little book. I understand that affection. There are so many poems in this book. <laughs> you know, and once upon a time, it was longer. And my editor was oh, like, no yo, we need to cut this down. I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, but to this day, it's my, you know, my little book and whatever. Right. And, or yeah, my sad little book. It's just always little. Yes. She's, she's my favorite. I love her to pieces. Um, yeah. And those like, I mean, no one can really see other than you guys as we're doing this on Zoom, but like this is my um, reader's copy and she's just yeah. all beat up. It's so loved. Um, <laughs> yes. So yeah, my little book. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, that is fantastic. All right. We're going to gush about some poems now, <laughs> as we do. You brought in a poem for us to talk about, so would you do us the honor of reading it? I did indeed. Okay. This poem is called Elegy, and it's by Araceli Sermai. And it starts with an epigraph. What to do with this knowledge that our living is not guaranteed? Perhaps one day you touch the young branch of something beautiful, and it grows and grows despite your birthdays and the death certificate and it one day shades the heads of something beautiful or makes itself useful to the nest. Walk out of your house then, believing in this. Nothing else matters. All above us is the touching of strangers and parrots, some of them human, some of them not human. Listen to me. I am telling you a true thing. This is the only kingdom, the kingdom of touching, the touches of the disappearing things. <sighs> that might seriously be my favorite poem about trees ever. Uh, yeah. That poem yeah. I love that. As we say, that's a poem. That is a poem. Yeah, right. that's a poem. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is indeed. Um, so yeah, can you uh, talk a little bit about talk a little bit about um, why you wanted to talk about this poem? Yeah. Um, so this poem. I mean, first of all, Adeseli Sermai is just like one of my my favorite poets um, that's alive, um, and she's just someone that I have always wanted to first like be like as a human. I, she's just so tender and and thoughtful and generous, um, you know, listening to her speak, but also in her, her poetry. Um, And I feel like this poem 
is, I guess, for our time right now, seems so important. Um, there's just this element of of this needing to reach out of ourselves, connecting with something, touching something, touching the trees, and yeah. and knowing that it's going to turn into something beautiful. And maybe that something beautiful will see it in our lifetime. Maybe we won't, but it it it's going to turn into something just just wonderful. And I think right now, um, just being in the pandemic, in quarantine, you know, that that need for touch, um, I think a lot of us are starved for, for touch and that, that intimacy. And here there's just so much intimacy with the things that are around the seeker of this poem um, and, you know, things touching other things that the parrots and the strangers and some of them are human and some of them are not. And this poem just reminds me of the kind of the need to, to connect with, with the world, even, you know, in quarantine, whether it's, um, you know, zoom or whatever, it's, it's kind of just a reminder that that touch is so important. Um, and, you know, things that we touch often, disappear um and kind of that need to, to touch them before they do um so it's, yeah it's a sad little poem yeah <laughs> also beautiful <laughs> i love that reading and i uh, i hope i wasn't coming across as dismissive earlier when i said poem about trees but the uh the what, what really kicked it for me was a lot of what you're talking about is like uh the need to touch and the need to connect and then like by using the image of a, of a tree growing and growing and growing beyond our deaths and things like that mm-hmm. really nails down to me what I think like COVID has taught a lot of people is that like the world is like far more interconnected than we even already knew it to be. Right. Um, you know, uh, the way, you know, positive, negative with the way that um, we're all, you know, the idea that a lot of more people are conscientious about public health now and that, Health is sometimes a matter of all of us taking care of each other, even people we don't know. Um, and uh, oh, don't let me lose the train of thought. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that um, that connectedness and that you know you can touch a tree that someone who died before you were born also touched um, is like right. a, a beautiful illustration of that idea. I think so. Yeah, I, really, I like yeah. I like your reading of it a lot. <laughs> Oh, definitely that um, you just said about um, I don't know the ways that we rely each other rely on each other the ways we are connect each other like becoming exposed by this it, it's this like beautiful and devastating thing to like suddenly have some of these connections severed and just to see how fragile it all is and mm-hmm. oof, yeah. I feel this poem that last stanza real hard <laughs> I, I love that she stops us listen to me <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to tell you something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm telling you a true thing. This is the only kingdom, the kingdom of touching. And yeah, when I hear that, I... So this is in Kingdom Animalia, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Kingdom Animalia, yeah. Is this the first poem? No, it's not the first it's poem. Um, it's the second poem. So it's very close to Okay. Me. That sounds right. I remember being at the beginning because I, I read this book uh, only semi semi recently within the past six months for sure. And, you know, 
banger after banger after banger. Yeah. <laughs> She's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I remember reading that and having that moment, that last stanza of being like, oh, shit, there's so many things that I'm giving too much of my attention to that are not, you know, connection and being with people, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it, it's easy to... <laughs> when you haven't touched someone for a while, you know, it really, it hits it. Yeah. I feel it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One thing that I've Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to say something <laughs> profoundly dumb and uh, derail us. But, um, <laughs> to piggyback off what you're saying, Bob, about the need to touch people. There's actually like scientific evidence that NBA teams who high five each other more during the game, <laughs> play better like and that's why they do the free throw high-fiving and all of that like that's why players are constantly touching each other they did a study about this and it exists so anyway i, you know, I, I believe that i believe that <laughs> science <laughs> um so what i was going to say and what i totally forgot and one of the reasons why i even brought this poem to begin with was that the last stanza of this book um it's the opening of my book Oh, sorry, the last stanza of that poem is the opening of my own book. Right, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so <laughs> that's why I feel so strongly connected to this this poem is because it actually, you know, that last stanza lives within my own book, too. So. Right, that's awesome. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. So um, what is, to drill down a little bit further in the poem, for you, What's the uh, what's the move that the poem is doing that really speaks to you? What's the the moment of the poem to you and as a poet yourself what's the thing on the page that gets you really excited about this poem mm-hmm. if that's um, not too many questions all at once <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was just like re- trying to do as close of a reading of this poem as possible over the past few days and I think something that really struck me was just at least looking at it on the page was uh, the repetition of something <clears throat> beautiful something beautiful um, and it grows and grows, um, just the conjunctions that are being repeated and the words, you know, some of them human, some of them not human. And yeah, to me, it almost feels like, like a chain link, like things just kind of being connected. Um, and it's with the language, we're seeing that connection being made like right on the page. So that's, just one thing that has just like really appealed to me as far as the eye but again like that last that last stanza is is the killer for me um I'm thinking about like Dickinson and she says something like the the top of my head came off you know that's when I know it's a poem and like I think about that when I I read um you know Anastasia Tremai's work and and this is a prime example of just like my head just falling right off like it's just and it's it's just yeah it, it really just just gets me and again that repetition of like the kingdom of touching the touches of the disappearing the language is just so so rich there absolutely there's something i think you're right to point to the repetition I really like you said like that. It, it 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 enacts this sense of um connection and conjoining things. Um it does something too with I guess I guess it, it's the pace of how it reads that repetition. I don't know. Blah, blah, what am I saying? And it's working for emphasis. What is it doing here? 
Perhaps one day you touch the young branch of something beautiful, and it grows and grows. Despite your birthdays and the death certificate, there's oh, there's another and right after that. Um, there's something going on here that is making me feel. It is making me read it relatively slowly, relatively deliberately. Um, that I'm finding really powerful. I, you know, it does relate to the content of the words itself, um, but I do think the poem is directing me to read it with a sort of. Is reverence the word I'm looking for? Yeah, no, I, I feel that exactly. I feel definitely what you're feeling. <laughs> reverence might be it. Um, yeah, it's almost feeling like it's enacting growth on the page. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, yeah. the branch mm-hmm. is growing and growing. And then despite your birthdays, plural, and, and death certificate, that's like spins us oh, through a life, plural. you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think you're on to something, Bob, definitely. Some of them strangers, strangers and parrots. I love it. Strangers and parents. Love this. No other animal in the poem. It's it's so beautiful. And like, I don't know, it feels like impossible to quite put your finger on it. Mm -hmm. Um, That it's this serious moment or the serious poem and this playful moment and that it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's parrots are an inherently funny bird. Like it's not like a, <laughs> it's not an Oriole or a, or a finch or a right. um, Robin or anything. It's a parrot, which I feel like I associate mostly with cartoons and stuff, but it doesn't take <laughs> us out of the reverence of the poem. I don't think it just is like, you know, a, it almost feels like a funny little, just like, I'm just going to twist the screw just a little bit for you. And then we're coming right back to the, to the, to the reverence of the, you know, the kingdom of touching stuff. Yeah. It's really delightful. Goddamn. I guess an extra question. I mean, I kind of feel spoiler alert. I think we'll be talking about elegy as a concept a little bit later. Um, But uh, how, how are we reading as it's just titled elegy? Um, Either of you feel free to speak. On this. I <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, yeah, curious about um, what are we reading that title as as pointing us to? What is this analogy for? Because I feel like I have an idea, but putting it into language is going to like make me feel even more. <laughs> um, you know, I'll let you go first. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm like still processing the question, but I'll, I'll try my best here. Well, I think like the the epigraph, like what to do with this knowledge that our living is not guaranteed, and right. thinking about what an elegy is and what it's you know what it's for. It's to you know it's a poem about um, you know someone that's passed, something that's passed um, that has died, um, and kind of like memorializing um, that that individual, um, or it's something kind of you know melancholy. And in some ways, the the tone is you know normally you know pretty pretty somber and and sad, but although this poem does carry some of that that somberness and that sadness, I think there's a lot of joy in this poem, and it's such I think that's what makes it such a unique elegy is because it it is so joyful, it is so colorful. Like thinking back at the parrots, like they are really colorful colorful birds. And, you know, Adesalius Hermias is painting this, this picture of this kingdom for us. 
And it is, it is something that, you know, again, holds that somberness, but also is something worth, worth celebrating um, and, and revering as we were talking about that, that reverence uh, before. Yeah. That's, yes. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yes. Really better than what I was going to say. This is why I wanted you to talk about poems. <laughs> Yeah, anytime a poem for me is titled Elegy, I, my brain immediately thinks like, okay, what in the poem am I, am I supposed to be sad about? And I think... Everything. Yeah, I, yeah everything. <laughs> <laughs> Great answer. Um, but yeah, I think you're starting with that epigraph of the knowledge that our living is not guaranteed is uh, kind of goes over this poem where that's like full of, yeah, beautiful creation and yeah, everything you said, uh, yeah, really hits for me. That's 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 how I'd answer the question, Bob. <laughs> what 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 our guest said <laughs> is my answer. <laughs> uh, I'll take it. Uh, so one more on this poem is: um, What does the poem do for you beyond the page? Uh, how do you find it swirling through your head and in your life after you've read it? Mm-hmm. which besides um, being the opening to your book, I guess. <laughs> um, I mean, well, that definitely does say a lot about it. If it's, you know, the opening of my book, it is something that I, I think about quite often. Um, and I think I talked about this earlier, just about how I think this is a poem for this moment in our lives. Um, and just thinking about, about touching and, and connecting. And um, I, I guess that's that's something that is really important to me in in my work is being able to connect with the reader in this way, and I just feel like it encompasses the the tone that I you know wanted to create as far as like opening my book. I wanted, um, mm-hmm. yeah, just just to kind of set that that tone that you know listen to me like I'm going to be telling you some really important shit right now um you know and and like touching is so important and things are going to disappear and we just have to continue to you know find importance in that and that connection and still continue to reach out and that's kind of what the poem does does for me um it's kind of just like a, a mantra of sorts you know, like, well, listen to me. I just, I, I do love that line. Like, it's just like yeah. beckoning us, like, listen, listen to me. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do want to listen to the poem. Um, and I want to, you know, revere the things that are most important to me, whether it's people around me or, you know, objects or, or things. Um, because at some point, all of these things are going to disappear. Um you know, this pen that I have in my hand right now, it, it will disappear. Um, in the hand of a lover, um, the hand of a family member, that will disappear at some point, whether from our, you know, memories if we die or, you know, if they if they pass before we um, do. Like, things do not last, but they are they are beautiful in that, that way that they don't last if that makes right. any sense. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> that, yeah, cherish what you have while you, the things are still around. Yeah, I think that's... No, I, I, I think you're, you're so dead on there uh, of kind of how this is... 
about so much. It's it's so foundational. Uh, and I, I don't know. It, I love thinking. I'm a little bit beating myself up. I'm like, how did I forget? This is right at the beginning of your book. Um, but, you know, yeah, of impermanence is so devastating and upsetting and, like, also the thing that makes any of this matter and beautiful and important and worth caring about. Um, If that's a mantra rattling around in your head, I would say that's a, that's a good way to live. That is a good way to approach, to approach life in general. And and I think important to the, 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 the listen line is, is kind of like it, it emphasizes like as, as much as I agree, that is a, a good mantra to have, like how hard it is to remember that. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you know, like it is easy to get wrapped up in, other impermanent things that are less important. <laughs> you know? yeah. Heavy stuff. We're, we're finding mean, the real deal. I mean, you, you brought me to your podcast. You asked for it. So I'm, I'm giving it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, for the, for the, for the not first time listener or for the first time listeners, um, we, we do tend to bring up some sad poems in here. Uh, that, that is a theme. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So in general, the way that we were hoping to follow up with things this season was to ask you to also read a poem of your own. Um, and the idea was going to be to think about how the poem you, poem you bought by, in this case, Arisalus Jermai, um, influences and shapes your work. And you've obviously talked a little bit about how important her work is. Um, but you made the suggestion to bring in this poem, bring in your own elegy. So would you read it for us? Yeah. Um, so this is Modern Elegy, and there's an epigraph. I want to hold the hand inside you. I want to take a breath that's true. And that's where Mazzy stars fade into you. I've been having that dream again. The one where I make a fortune selling my used underwear. But that's not why I'm thinking of you. I remember when we sat at the cafe on 8th, I said, those fire escapes are really pretty and it felt wrong to romanticize a rescue. Then you looked at me, said, my beautiful mess, what am I going to do with you? The last time I cried to your picture was the anniversary of my grandmother's death. It was about her and you and how all the things I could touch would disappear, like your hands or dirty boxers on the floor or the liver spots on her arms, the space of her missing tooth. I've been having that dream again the one where I make a fortune selling my used underwear and I buy her a tombstone. Maybe she loved someone like you once, someone who could make her feel good, then like shit again. Maybe she escaped from the side of his house, no steps, just jumped. That too is a poem. Yeah. <laughs> I was say, that's also a poem. <laughs> uh, um, God, that is nice to hear you read that. And like, 
that's a that's a funny one when, when you sent it I, I don't know i just feel like it yeah i'm trying to remember when i last read it and i was like oh i do remember this one and that's always a good feeling you know um so i you know i only have one question here in theory that we're going to talk about but of course there's three questions wrapped up into the one and i'm sure we can go in any number of ways here um i think especially after just talking to you about it i hear a lot of that influence um coming in here yeah, um we're talking we're talking about connection we're talking about things disappearing i guess you talked about elegy too a little bit um i'm curious about this title as well yeah. the modern elegy curious about when mazzy star came into things um I, I i you mentioned it right before the show and i was like why have i been thinking about mazzy star and i was like oh because miley cyrus did a mazzy star cover that was on twitter a couple days ago oh really <laughs> i have not checked that out it's out it's out there <laughs> i'm too plugged in right now it's bad but um i want to hear you talk about this poem and you can go any of those directions and Chris could jump in and I might jump in and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe I'll start with Mazzy Star and how that kind of came into it. Um, this may or may not be a long story, but I'll try to keep it very, very short. <laughs> um, so I had just moved to New York and um, I had my 26th birthday and my roommates and I were, we were on um, our Brooklyn rooftop and we were just you know, we're all poets, and we're just, like, listening to the saddest music we could possibly think of. Um, yeah. And one of my roommates plays this Mazzy Star song, and it was the first time I had ever heard it in my life. Being a, you know, a, a churchy girl, um, I have had to, you know, incorporate kind of modern music into um, my life very slowly, um, just because I wasn't raised with it. So this song to me was just, like, brand new and I fell in love with it and it for a while was my go-to crying song if I needed to cry about something I put on Maggie Star um fade into you and it was just like perfect and this poem I felt like it belonged with this poem because it first of all it was this poem does include a death of a grandmother and also the end of a relationship um, and I had written this poem thinking about that end of the relationship. And most likely, um, I had cried about this particular person to this song. I'm sure I, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> right? um, yeah, so it, in a way like this poem is an allergy for my grandmother, an allergy for this, you know, um, relationship. Um, but also to just thinking about um, the things that we touch will disappear. Um, and some of those things are just, you know, they almost seem pretty mundane, like boxers on the floor. Right. Um, or then thinking about like my grandmother, her liver spots on her arms and how like, you know, that that's just something kind of um, random. Um, and even something that could disappear is a space. The space of a missing tooth could, could disappear as well. So it's not even something that has to be tangible. It can be something that's that's missing already that ends up disappearing. Right. So, yeah, I, I mean, I could go in so many other <laughs> different directions and thinking about this poem. Um, but one more thing that I will say is that I actually really did have a dream that I sold my used <laughs> underwear and that I did make a fortune. Um <laughs> And, and I guess another truth about this poem is that my grandmother does lie in an unmarked grave. 
which has really always like broken my heart. Um, And I mean, at the time we, we, we couldn't, you know, put the funds together to come up with, you know, a tombstone that we thought could, you know, really honor her. And, um, you know, I have some artists, uh, artists in my family that, you know, they wanted to design the tombstone and that was going to take a lot of, a lot of funds and time. And somehow it just never ended up working out. Um, And, you know, to this day, I I do think about like, you know, why don't I just do it? You know, because I, I I don't feel comfortable knowing that my, grandmother is is you know again lying in an unmarked grave um and that no one will be able to stop by and know that there she is and and, and that's where you know she's she's lying in the ground um so yeah heavy stuff sorry <laughs> heavy oh stuff God, that is that is taking me places man <laughs> <laughs> um as you were saying that at least several points in that i it, this is why we need to do this all the time, Chris, <laughs> is, is talking to you right now and, and hearing you talk about this poem. It's, it's hit me how this is, I think, something I've noticed in your work and something that I really admire about your work um, is that you have, and it's funny that the whole kind of theme has been connection and stuff here, but you have this ability to make elegy for my grandmother, elegy for this end, relationship ending, work in the same space and not feel inappropriate or not feel like one is trumping the other in in any way. And that like in your poems, there is, (laughs) I already hate myself the way I'm going to say this in your poems, there is room for all different kinds of sadness together and like to understand more about each other from it and to understand bigger truths out of it. And this poem, this poem is beautiful. My goodness. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I second everything Bob says, and that that is that is really a uh, yeah that is an achievement because I feel like you know uh, it, were it me I would make those into two separate poems, but you just mm-hmm. seamlessly weave them in together. And I was um, I uh, re- regret to say I don't have your book um, and haven't read it, so that's which is something I'm I'll going to be. I'll send you one. Um, oh, worry. that's too kind of you. <laughs> um, it's a it's a mistake I'm going to be rectifying soon. Um, but uh, I was reading some work uh, of yours earlier from your website um, to uh, prepare for this. And uh, that really stuck out to me about your writing is like this seamless weaving of ultimately disparate things. Like I, Bob, I actually like the way you've put it, like different kinds of sadness into the same poem or different kinds of the same emotion into the, into the same uh, poem. It's like, it's almost like a good, like, <laughs> I don't want to use a soup metaphor, like a good marinade um, <laughs> or something. Um, like, you know, you have like, yeah, like just different kinds of um, the same emotion going through the same poem. And that mm-hmm. always takes us to, in my limited viewing of your work, takes us to um, surprising and unexpected places that um, yeah. I really Thank find you. delightful. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you do, you pull from a... You know, I just a wealth of great specificities. Um, I I would not have assumed that. No, with you, I do assume that the underwear dream is real. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, just that, that that is the thing that you have that 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 awesome gift of being like, oh, this is where a poem comes from, and that and that it is the moment 
that uh, is worth turning into a refrain of literally bringing it up again in the poem, um, but also the boyfriend's underwear being in the space. Um, There's there's stuff happening, my goodness. And apparently you can make a fortune doing that. Uh (laughs) To plug the website I freelance for, I read a crack article about it. (laughs) And the thing is that, like, I had this dream because, like, I was thinking about it. Like, I was thinking about, like, I should probably just sell my used underwear. And, I mean, we're lowly poets. You know, we don't have a lot of money. Right. Um, So I thought it was, like, you know, a get-rich-quick scheme. Like, might as well. Um, (laughs) Like, I need a new TV. (laughs) Let's go through the underwear drawer and see what I can work with. Right. Well, I mean, I... I used to work at Victoria's Secret way, way, way back in the day, actually after I graduated undergrad. So I just have a plethora um, that I can part with. So I was like, this, this will be go. great. <laughs> this will work out wonderful. <laughs> Anyways, I, I never expected to write a poem about my grandmother and then also about selling used underwear at the same time. Right. It, it does seem really strange. And I think that's what makes it a modern elegy. It, it, okay. It's kind of... Um, revising the idea of what we think it, an elegy is and what an elegy can contain. Um, I, I don't think, you know, I, I mean, like, at least like, you know, in school, we're not taught that you can put like, you know, used underwear in an elegy. You know, that's not something that we're, you know, is expected is, is, you know, um, standard. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I kind of wanted to just surprise the reader and then mix it up a little bit um, and, and just modernize it. Um, yeah. I love that idea yeah. of of yeah of revising the expectations, um, revising what it can do. I want to jump into that last stanza really quickly. God damn, maybe she loved someone like you once, someone who could make her feel good, then like shit again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. That, is, that is dynamite. It's incredible. Uh, gen, genuinely also just as a thought exercise, like every once in a while I let my brain kind of wonder to, um, you know, I mean, me and my parents certainly don't talk about, uh, I, my parents know very little about like my romantic life and I certainly don't talk to them about their, and, and my parents got married pretty young. I, I don't know if they have much of a outside dating history or whatever, but yeah. like my, my grandparents, my grandmother was engaged once and uh before meeting my grandfather that guy died in the war and it's like one of those things where it's like oh there's so many of those like stories like that that just like who knows and unfortunately um sometimes for good reason but you know a lot of it is just like i don't know we're all too buttoned up but like what an interesting thing to think about and 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 to make a person more whole you know i mean like with family that happens a lot where they kind of get pigeonholed or stereotyped Mm -hmm. you know of, of that they just are this figure and I, I know at least for myself, sometimes I forget that like, oh yeah, my grandparents were probably like really deeply in love at some point. <laughs> not that they, I only have one grandparent left, but not that they weren't by the end, but you know, like that there was a whole romance and a whole thing and there was probably heartbreaks before that. And yeah, I think that's great. It adds a, it adds a, a, a depth to, I might call your grandmother a character in the poem, but it adds a depth to her <laughs> humanity in the poem. Um, right. Uh, with just like the simple act of, you know, imagining her at your own age kind of thing. If like you shared experiences yeah. and things like that. And I'm um, Bob a hundred percent with you. Like, I don't, I, I, 
really don't know if my parents or grandparents had. I'm pretty sure I know my mom had an ex, at least one, <laughs> like, like before marrying my dad. Not an ex-husband, but like just a, a, a you know person she dated. Because yeah, my parents and right. grandparents are all their own, all, all each other's first spouses uh, and stuff. And it's just like, well, there must have been something before, but yeah, I don't know. My, I also feel like my grandparents grew up in rural Tennessee and I just can't imagine the world that they grew up in. Um, uh, both yeah. time yeah. and space kind of thing. Um, so right. yeah, to, to put that in the poem is, um, yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy to think about and it's a nice move in the poem. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I, I, I do know some things about my grandmother's history and actually some like family secrets that like came out after her, her death yeah. and that like my, that she had been holding on to, um basically up until the point that she she passed away and she was like wow. basically like telling all of her secrets this is not this imagined um you know scenario is not one of them or anything like that um sure but it i mean my my grandmother was is a you know she was a complex person you know i mean she was right. the matriarch of our family and she was you know a christian woman she read her bible every night um wow. but at the same time, like, I know, you know, just from thinking about, you know, what I've been told that she, you know, loved very fiercely. Um, and I, I mean, I, I find that so admirable um, about her mm, yeah. um, and that she, you know, let herself love and be loved even in moments where it seems, I guess, I don't, I don't know what word to use, but it just, you know, in, in moments that you wouldn't expect she she was just, yeah. yeah she just she loved and and that to me like makes me feel like she really fucking lived you know mm-hmm. and i'm like i want to really fucking live that way too um whether it's like a bad relationship or a good relationship or whatever it is you know if um like i want i want to live like like she did like she just yeah she lived a really great great long life yeah that's beautiful yeah god damn yes i say poem poems taking us places today that's fantastic Uh. shouts out (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness should we do our hard pivot? We're like probably we're probably at time. It just yeah. it just it it feels uh, it feels unfair to jump off of such a great point. Yeah, um, I agree. But uh, you know, also maybe it is the right point because uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we want to we want to love fiercely here. Yeah. you know, yeah. we're all about that. Yeah, yes. yeah. I thought I end the love um, episode. Get out there and love somebody today. <laughs> yeah, go uh, out and love somebody. <laughs> Download Hinge um, and Tinder. I don't know. I don't want somebody. No, they're recently deleted off of my phone. <laughs> we don't need them back again. Well, I mean, basically with Hinge, it's designed to be deleted. So if you're deleting it, then it's doing its job. I, no, right? I don't know. I don't know if that's why I deleted it. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I, uh, I've had, right, I've had will, too many exes to speak of, and I feel like you were, because <laughs> you're talking about how your um, mother has maybe only had one ex. I'm like, well, I have plenty. Like, oh, just that I know of. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I love. Yeah. It. I mean, just no, like I'm, as I'm like my major role models' parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I, my you know role model of parents is they got they met at the end of high school. They got married at twenty, and I just have this like in in the theoretical very like boring life where 
I don't know, traditional things happen. I just have this picture of like, oh, well, what, what would I tell my kids? Yeah, I dated a bunch of people in my 20s and it sucked. <laughs> and like, some of them were great and some of them weren't, but I was sad all the time. You wrote poems about it. Bob, <laughs> you don't give yourself enough credit. Bob is also a fantastic poet, y'all, just so you know. Um, he has wonderful breakup poems. Debatable. <laughs> I guess I'm up on this podcast all the time. <laughs> I will take no gushing about myself on this podcast. It's all outward gushing. <laughs> um, but we have to wrap up and we have to wrap up in the way that we always do. Um, we're, can, can we fiercely love Jalen Brown for a couple minutes? Fiercely <laughs> and fully love Jalen Brown. I think everybody on this call does. <laughs> uh, Dianella, you brought him up. Tell us about your affection for Jalen Brown. Um, okay. So I like know nothing about basketball really. I mean, I, I grew up, I remember my brother would watch the Celtics a lot and I only watched because he did and I wanted to be just like my brother. Um, so I like almost like forced myself to have a crush on Paul Pierce. I just like forced it upon myself to do it. I was like, well, I'm like, I gotta like one of them, right? Like I gotta have a crush. So I was like, okay, I, I like Paul Pierce. I like Paul Pierce. Um, and recently, um and I feel like I find myself in situations where I'm often like watching sports and not really wanting to and it's you know like a partner's (laughs) watching it or or whatever so I'm just like you know I'm gonna do the same thing I'm gonna you know force upon myself a crush um though Jalen I don't need to force anything he is a handsome (laughs) handsome man I mean he's he's fucking gorgeous and his hair when he wears it like nice and tall and um natural is just beautiful and as a woman of color who also wears her hair natural I just admire it and yeah it's just gorgeous and he is number seven like that's that's his jersey number and as you know a Christian girl growing up number seven is a pretty big deal you know like that's the number of completeness that is a spiritual number um, so I have both a carnal crush on Jalen, but also a spiritual crush on Jalen Brown. Um, yeah. I love yeah. it. I totally agree. He is a beautiful person. I love that flat top. Love too. it. Um, we love Jalen Brown. I just love his, his game is great. It's so awesome. The first time I watched him, I was like, I don't know why, but I just, I love this dude. Um, he just has like, there's a certain kind of game that I don't think I can quite scribe where it's just like just like the hard dribbles to the basket and like just this there's like this like toughness without like being a like i'm a tough guy like bravado mm-hmm. kind of thing um mm-hmm. he's, just a, he's just a badass man he, he's humble awesome. he's uh, yeah you picked again a good man. crush yeah um, great great crush yeah. Um, we don't normally talk highly about Celtics around here, but um, yeah, not uh, for all our Massachusetts talk up top. We are not the most Celtics positive podcast, <laughs> but I, I think that's been the refrain is like, ugh, it's unfair that the Celtics get Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum right now. Cause they are both very cool players. Both like have been off the court. Very like awesome people. Yeah. I think Jalen Brown just won some community award. You know? Yeah. yeah like, I think he did quality people. And it's like, ugh. Boston's yeah. getting this right now. Come on. It's that the Celtics yeah, and the yeah. Heat have like the coolest teams right now. It's really infuriating. Especially as a Bulls fan. I feel like oh, thinking of the Heat, I think I watched like one game with the Heat and like their jerseys like really fucked me up. I was like, I can't, I can't <laughs> oh, watch this the, anymore. Um, 
Was it the split down the middle blue and pink ones that they were the other day? Or? It might have been, but yeah. like I felt like I, I needed to like close my eyes. I couldn't look at them anymore. And I was sad because then that means if I close my eyes, you know, during the basketball game, I don't get to see Jalen Brown. So, but I, for that game, mm-hmm. I had to, um, but yeah. Couldn't do it. Fair. Totally <laughs> fair. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think we'll wrap up there. Sounds good. Thank you that so much excellent. for being with us. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Um, the highlight of my, my year so far. Um, and perfect to talk about like sad poems and, and breakups and whatnot right before Valentine's Day, which is just a few days away from us recording this. And it's, it's, this has been just like a salve to my heart. Um, so oh, thank you so, so much for having me today. Oh, man. Well, yeah, we got to do it again. Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, we're, we'll link somewhere uh, to your website and your social medias, yes. and people should get your book if they haven't already because it is really damn good. Yes, all of that will be in the description of the episode. Is there anything you wanted to plug real quick, like a Twitter handle or a website or something? Just so sure. it's um, Yeah, so my website is dnoeantigua.com, um, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at nelfell13. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's all I got to plug. Um, I mean, I post when I'm going to be reading on my website and also on, um, social media. So if you're interested in hearing me read something, um, just, yeah, follow all of those things. <laughs> yeah. Do it, do it. Oh, sounds good. All right. That's it for us, us this week. We will be back next week with... We're not sure yet, actually. Maybe more guests, we think. But poems. Well, maybe poems. Yeah. Maybe Either poems or guests. We'll be back next week at any rate. So, talk to you guys then. Oh, our music producer is Brendan Johnson, and our um, art is done by A.M. Strickland. Uh, and yeah, that's it. See you guys next week. <laughs>